0: Hi, this is Albert. And this is Luke. Today is Monday, the 26th of April. Welcome to the Telescope
1: Investing Podcast. You know, but we haven't done a model portfolio deep dive for a couple of weeks now. So it seems like it's time to get stuck into one of our model portfolio stocks. Which one shall we do, Luke? Well, I think we both know because we've been prepping it pretty hard over the last few days. We're gonna do
0: Twilio. Yeah, I had Twilio in my portfolio since early 2019 and it's done really well
1: for me. It's almost tripled in that time. You've done well. I only got in as part of our commitment to buy 2% of each of our model portfolio 2021 positions. So I picked up my 2% stake in Twilio back in March. And I'm down about 10% at the moment.
0: Well, remember when we started looking at this about a week ago, you mentioned to me that Twilio is one of the stocks that you don't feel as comfortable about. Hopefully this deep dive will lay those fears because for me, it's one of my
1: highest conviction, not so much in growth, but in terms of stability. I have come to terms with my emotions around this one. And I do have some new thoughts having done the research, but I'm going to save them for the recap at the end. Sounds good, Luke, but I believe you have a new story for us today. Yeah, look, I've been trying to get this one into the news for ages and you keep resisting. I love space and I love SpaceX and you know I love Elon Musk. Well, I love space as well, but I don't love Elon Musk. Well, Musk has had a couple of very notable achievements in the last few days. It's kept me glued to YouTube. Last week, NASA announced that they'd anointed SpaceX as their partner to help them get to the moon. Anointed, Luke? Elon must become a priest. (laughs) There's a lot of people who've got a bit of a religious fervor around many of his companies. I guess I'm in that bandwagon too. But yes, they're taking us back to the moon. This is pretty damn exciting stuff, Albert. This is going to open up the mega trend of extraterrestrial mining that I badgered you to put onto our little tracker years ago. No, I agree, Luke. I think space is one of our mega trends. It's just one that we haven't looked into yet. Maybe we'll do it in a few weeks' time. And I was thinking about the Gartner hype curves from our episode two weeks ago. There's going to be a ton of hype around all of this stuff. Like, realistically, this is 10, 20, maybe longer years before we really get to commercialization. But suddenly you can see a pathway, us starting to colonise space. That's really, really exciting stuff. And I loved watching these launches and landings, but they had a really important one just two or three days ago where SpaceX have put Crew-2, so this is putting humans, back into space. And it's really interesting last week because they used a fully recycled launch vehicle to put the astronauts back on the International Space Station. What do you mean by recycled? You mean like all the parts had been reused before? Pretty much. Everything had been flown before, the capsule, the booster to put them into space, and it was entirely successful. This is demonstrating that reusable spaceflight is a reality now completely. This has reduced the cost of putting payloads into space by orders of magnitude. Yeah, I'm quite excited about this
0: story as well. I don't follow it as closely as you do, but I do find it very interesting. Several months ago, I think when we talked about if we had to put all our investments into one stock, you chose SpaceX. I don't think my
1: conviction is that high, but I definitely would invest in SpaceX if it was a public company. I can't see Musk taking SpaceX public anytime soon, especially after all of his challenges battling the Tesla shorts. But yeah, really exciting company. Just to squeeze it in one lock piece of news. The other big thing they've got coming up is in September, they're flying their first private flight. Basically, a tech billionaire, this guy Jared Isaacman, is taking a couple of his buddies and they're going to do a tourist flight into space on a SpaceX launch vehicle. Oh, wow. Do you know how much this flight costs? I guess you've got to be a billionaire to fly this stuff right now, but the price is going to come down. It's another level above first class, huh? Space could very well be the way of cutting international flight times terrestrially. If you can do like London to Australia in a of hours by doing a little parabola rather than having to fly the long haul via Singapore. I always found that stat a little
0: bit confusing. Why would be a large parabola take less time than a a smaller curve? Surely
1: the higher you fly, the longer the distance. We can go faster, right? If you're flying through the atmosphere versus literally flying into space and coming back down. All right, okay. I'll take you away for it. I'm not a starship engineer. Actually, I started watching Below Decks the other day. That's pretty funny. Have you seen it? Is that a Star Trek spin off? It is a Star Trek spinoff. Officially endorsed, but pretty funny. I'm not sure Roddenberry would fully approve. <laughs> I would watch it if I had Amazon video. Well, I suppose that's enough super far future. We've got decades before that stuff starts to land. But why don't you give us a bit of intro into Twilio, which is a technology that's here right now? Yeah, I don't think most people will have heard of Twilio. It's
0: not really a consumer-facing brand. But it's likely that most people are using one or more of Twilio's services every day. Twilio is a cloud communications platform. It allows companies to embed communication services such as email, voice, and instant messaging into their web, desktop,
1: and mobile applications. Yeah, you're right. I guess they're sort of hidden behind the scenes of many of the companies that we engage with every day today. For example, when you use Uber and you can call your driver and he can call you and you don't know each other's phone numbers, well, Twilio allows you to do that. Yeah, communications is a critical part of the infrastructure of most companies. If you've got customers, you have to engage with your customers. somehow and Twilio are behind the scenes for many many big brands. The company was founded in March 2008 and they IPO'd in June 2016, and they're up 16 times since IPO. So actually, you've done pretty well with your, what did you say, you've tripled your money in the last year and a half?
0: I think that's one of our concerns with Trulio is its valuation. It has gone up so much that its market cap now is around $66 billion, giving it a price to sales ratio
1: of 31, which historically is very high. It is for them, but I guess it's not compared to some of their software as a service peers. I think their financials are pretty robust, but we'll get to that in the back end of today's episode.
0: If we look at the tailwinds behind Twilio's growth. Digital transformation is one of those factors. According to the IDC, investments in digital transformation will nearly double by 2023 to $2.3 trillion. This is great news for Twilio, but also for many of our other model portfolio stocks, such as CrowdStrike and Cloudflare.
1: I guess that's not surprising, right? This is the way all commerce is moving. Digital transformation is like the railroads of the early 19th century, it's the enabler behind pretty much all commerce.
0: Yeah, and communications is a requirement for almost all applications. Now, we gave the example with Uber before, but other examples would be remote contact centers contacting their customers via SMS. All those food orders you make through DoorDash and deliveroo they're sending you SMSs probably through something like Twilio. Another one would be the transactional emails that you get when you buy something online. You get a receipt through the email. another one that is quite relevant today, SMS messages telling you about your doctor's appointment or specifically your vaccination appointment. Twilio has its Impact Access Program, which helps organizations with their COVID response with credits for many of their services and discounted pricing.
1: And they estimate about 1 billion people will receive their vaccination notifications through Twilio. That's good. That sounds really important. You know, an SMS though that I got and I haven't responded to yet was from my hairdresser, reminding me I need to get a haircut. I wonder if they use Twilio. They probably do, Luke, but I don't think your haircut is as important as a COVID vaccination. They're both critical to be able to socialize effectively. (laughs) (laughs) We got onto the pandemic, but actually that's also been a massive enabler for Twilio, as it has been for many of our companies. And just like we've said on many episodes before, the pandemic has accelerated this digital transformation in Twilio space. They've got a tool they call Frontline, and that's really been helping employees work from home. So this is their mobile application that allows a Twilio customer to track and manage their communications with their customers. So you can manage these workflows and these comms from anywhere now.
0: Yeah, one of the key benefits for Twilio customers is that they don't need to provision their own infrastructure or negotiate contracts with the various telecom carriers around the world. Just for information, Twilio has wide international
1: coverage and can reach customers in over 180 countries. They were founded and they're still led by a guy called Jeff Lawson. He's the CEO and chairman today. And Jeff's a real tech head and he really understands the tech technology and the space.
0: I always confuse Jeff Lawson with Jeff
1: Green from The Trade Desk. Too many Jeffs. Too many Jeffs all doing a very good job, it seems. Our Jeff Lawson here gets a pretty good Glassdoor rating. We love to look at Glassdoor to understand what employees are saying about the company. He scores a 96% approval rating and overall the company gets 4.4 out of 5. So that's pretty solid.
0: Yeah, I believe they have quite a large number of employees now. I think by the end of last year, their employee count was about 4,500. And they've experienced very
1: rapid growth in employee for the last four or five years. One thing we always like to check in on is the ownership stake of leadership. Jeff has a 3.6% stake in the company. That's pretty solid. For a mature company, that's where I'd expect it to be. One of Twilio's red flags
0: is the amount of stock-based compensation they give to their employees. We'll go into that in more detail later, but it's very
1: high for this kind of company. Just before we move on from leadership, Albert, you pulled out Twilio's values in our show prep, and they're pretty fun. They're pretty interesting. Jeff talks about how they act, how they make decisions, and how they work win. And one caught my eye under how we win. Uh, He said, be bold, be inclusive, don't settle, and draw the owl. Yeah, when I read
0: that, I had no idea what draw the owl meant. And what they say it means is that there is no instruction book. It's ours to write. Figure it out, ship it, and iterate. Invent the future and
1: don't wing it. What has that got to do with owls? I did a quick bit of research. Draw the owl is a meme. It's basically two steps. You draw two circles, draw some circles. Step two, draw the rest of the fucking owl. <laughs> it's a beautiful alb. I think uh, I think what Jeff's trying to say with this is, you know how to start and you know where you want to end up, but there's a big gap in the middle. You've got to figure out how to bridge. I guess that's where they're writing the instruction book. Yeah, their, their values are
0: quite tongue-in-cheek. I find them quite amusing. For example, in their how we act section, you have be an owner, empower others, which are quite standard. But the third one is no shenanigans, which is a nice way of
1: saying don't do anything underhand. Yeah, there've been plenty of shenanigans by many big public companies. That's a nice one. I like.
0: Well, let's look at the total addressable market. Well, this one is a growing market and growing very quickly. Uh, the IDC market analysis perspective forecast that this market will grow from $2 billion in 2017 to almost $11 billion by 2022. Are
1: those numbers small? Is $11 billion a small total addressable market, considering the size of this company?
0: I think that's just for the CPaaS business, the communication business. But Twilio has other things, and they themselves value their market at around $79 billion.
1: Okay, that's much more realistic. They're definitely the leader, especially with big enterprise customers. Most of Twilio's revenue is usage-based and their revenue growth has been crazily high. They've grown from $167 million five years ago to $1.7 billion in revenue last year. That's a 10X revenue growth in just five years.
0: But it's worth mentioning that they're
1: still not profitable as they have been reinvesting heavily into growing their business. Yeah, really wise. We're gonna talk about some competition in a minute and they've got a lot of guys chasing their heels. So they've definitely got to invest in R&D and keep trying to stay ahead of the pack. Well,
0: that's now segue into the cost of production. Twilio operate a communications platform as a service, which is a, I guess, a SaaS company. And it has a scalable land and expand business model where they get developers on board as quickly as possible. And they will spread the word and bring Twilio services to their companies. They've got a ton of different
1: products, but to pull out two key ones that are pretty relevant today, Twilio Flex, that's their fully programmable contact center platform, does things like intelligent, cool routing, AI powered chatbots. That's going to be really important to drive down the cost of customer service and potentially to improve customer service outcomes who really like sitting in like a half an hour queue to talk to a human who can't help you anyway.
0: An interesting thing about this one is that this product came about directly from feedback from their customers. What they saw was that customers were using Twilio services to build their own contact center software. And then when Twilio saw this, they said, why don't we just build one and sell that to other customers? And now Flex has over 600 customers and its
1: revenue in 2020 had increased by 184% from the previous year. And another one of those 25 products that's worth drilling into is Twilio Conversations. So this allows them to bring together communications across multiple channels into a single stream. So basically you could start chatting to a, company on the phone and then maybe switch to SMS, WhatsApp, and then into chat, and then maybe back to voice. And it's all one joined up conversation as far as the company is concerned.
0: Yeah, you can imagine how useful this is considering how many ways there are to communicate these days. We have voice calls, we have instant messaging, we have email, we have all these different ways to communicate. And we kind of expect the person on the other end to keep track of what we're talking about, regardless of how we
1: communicate with them. I can think of so many horrible customer service experiences I've had over the last 10 years and how this technology is going to make my life better.
0: Moving on to their brand and reputation. Julio have a particularly strong focus on developers. And they often say treat developers like customers. And this is quite important because developers are increasingly driving decisions about technology within their companies. Jeff actually
1: wrote a book, Ask Your Developer How to Harness the Power of Software Developers and Win in the 21st Century. And I remember reading an anecdote about how the company launched and they were looking for a tagline for their first billboard. I think Jeff says he thought of it in the shower the morning where they had to finalize the language for the billboard, and it just said, ask your developer, and had the Twilio logo.
0: Well, it's good to hear that Jeff is productive in the shower. <laughs> I listen to podcasts in the shower. What do you do? I shower. I clean myself. <laughs> <laughs> Twilio now has over 10 million developers and this has significant network effects. As you can imagine, the more developers that use your software, the more likely it is that they will use it in their next company. And they actually have a user conference in October every year called Signal. The conference is targeted mainly to developers and product managers. And it's attended by about 4,000 people and it's really there to help them to use
1: Twilio services. One key part of the culture that I think is good for developers is they've just got a really rapid pace of development and launching of new product releases and features.
0: And I think one of the things that demonstrates that is their blog announcing new product features and code examples
1: to show developers how to use their products. Let's talk about customers for a bit. They've experienced really great customer growth. Today, they've got 221,000 customers, which is up 23% year over year. Although you got to note that a chunk of those are from the segment acquisition.
0: Just to illustrate how fast that customer count has been going up. At the end of 2017, it was only
1: 49,000. A couple of their notable customers. You mentioned Uber, but they also partner with Amazon, Facebook, Netflix, Airbnb, Nike, and Twitter.
0: Yeah, revenue from the top 10 active customer accounts represented around 13% of the revenue, which is quite high. And actually WhatsApp is their largest customer, accounting for about 6% of their revenue, which is quite concerning if they ever lose WhatsApp as a customer. Customer concentration
1: is a risk, but it's much lower than it was a few years ago. They learned a painful lesson back in 2017. They were really dependent on Uber as one of their key customers. But a few years ago, Uber announced they were going to bring some of their communications in-house. And that hit Twilio's bottom line pretty hard and rocked the stock.
0: And only 27% of their revenue comes from international customers, which are customers outside the US. So there's a lot of room to grow, but this may be impacted by growing competition, which we'll talk about later.
1: We like to look at network effects as one of our telescope lenses. What do you make of the network effects for Twilio?
0: As we mentioned earlier, they have over 10 million developers using Twilio. And I think that has very high networking effects, one of which is the high switching costs. When you integrate Twilio services into these applications, it's quite difficult to remove them and replace it with something else. And also with 10 million developers, there's a large pool of development talent that can use
1: them. Yeah, that's a great
0: point. Twilio also has network effects and builds an advantage through what they call its super network, which is their layer for communications, how they actually send these messages. And it uses AI to improve its functionality. And the more people that use it and the more companies that use it, the better the super network will be.
1: Makes sense, I suppose. If they're running the comms for so many different companies, they've got such a huge volume of traffic. I guess it means they can find the fastest pathway to ensure those messages get out quick. You wouldn't wanna be waiting for your Uber stuck in the rain and the SMS telling you it's canceled takes like 10 minutes to get to you.
0: And because most of Twilio's revenue is usage-based, the more that their customers use their services, the more revenue Twilio earns. And the cheaper they can make that communication layer, the more profit goes to them.
1: Well, let's get into optionality and how they're trying to expand their total addressable market had a couple of notable acquisitions over the last year or two. I
0: think back in 2019, they acquired a company called SendGrid for about $3 billion. SendGrid was the leading email communication framework used by a lot of companies. And just give you an idea of the scale of SendGrid. It was used to send about 2.5 billion emails per day on average
1: last year. That's a lot of email. I hope most of that wasn't junk.
0: Yeah, I hope most of that didn't end up in my spam
1: folder. They also acquired Segment in November last year for $3.2 billion. Yeah, that was a big
0: one. Segment offers, well, they call a customer data platform. And it basically allows a company to see a single unified view of all their customer interactions. And it gives their clients, other companies, ways to tailor communications to their customers according to their usage patterns and natural preferences. And actually Segment was growing faster than Twilio before they acquired them. They achieved an 88% revenue growth in 2019. And in Q4 of last year, After Twilio acquired them, they broke up the segment revenue and it was $23 million. And Twilio themselves sized the market for this content data platform business at around $17 billion. So you
1: can see that segment has a small fraction of that. And then to bring us fully up to date, just a month ago in March, Twilio announced an extensive partnership and a strategic investment in Cyniverse. When I read this for the first time, I misread it as Snyderverse, because I've just spent four hours of my life watching the latest Justice League Snyder cut. Yeah, I watched the first version. It was two hours that I won't ever get back. Actually, the four-hour investment is better than the two-hour investment. It's worth that extra two hours. Seriously? It's a better movie. Oh, well, it couldn't be any worse. But Twilio are now a minority owner of And siniverse so provide messaging, roaming, and other comm services for mobile operators. So they've got an extensive 4G, 5G, and Internet of Things network.
0: Yeah, I read that. And I saw that siniverse could go public virus back this year. And with that investment, Twilio could and some profit from that investment.
1: That's not why they've bought in though. They're not trying to jump on the SPAC bandwagon. They're trying to get access to Syniverse's network and technologies. Is it possible that Twilio ends up acquiring Cineverse? Uh Yeah, perhaps. Although I guess if they're going public, right, why would you go through that pain if you're going to fully acquire them? I think I'd rather have Syniverse than Snyderverse.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Actually, we mentioned in our Teladoc Health deep dive a few weeks ago that Twilio has a HIPAA compliant video conference platform and it's being used by a number of healthcare providers for telehealth services. One notable one, being Epic, one of the largest electronic health record companies in the US. Actually, their video service has been one of their fastest growing products. And in 2020, revenues from their video service grew around 600% from the previous year.
1: And this is the stat that's brought me around, actually, because I was really worried about competition. I think my fear for Twilio before we really got into this updated research was that they're just going to get compressed on both sides. You've got companies like Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp really starting to dominate in the text conversation between a business and its consumer and at the other end of the stack you've got Zoom starting to crush video cons between companies and consumers and I could see that squeezing the middle where voice perhaps is a legacy way of engaging with a customer but if Twilio are growing their own video capability so fast then they recognise that and they're hanging on to that part of the market and I'm also reassured that actually WhatsApp is one of their biggest customers and they're partnering with them so actually maybe they're benefiting rather than getting crushed by these growing opportunities.
0: Yeah to hear here that you thought voice communications was a legacy mode of communication. I don't know if you know, but Microsoft bought Nuance Communications recently for about $20 billion, so they see voice communications and voice recognition as a growing
1: market. I get it, but in the immediate term, I think text chat is going to be more efficient. It's going to be cheaper for companies to integrate AI into the communications with their customer if it's a text-based conversation as opposed to a spoken conversation.
0: But I do wonder whether this is because like, you and I are not particularly young. Maybe we're old school and maybe you younger generations are more comfortable
1: just talking to their phones, talking to the computers. Like I have Siri on my computer, but I never use it. And to be fair, I use Google Home spoken stuff around my house and when I'm out on the motorbike all the time, I've got voice fully integrated, but it's still complex and it's slow. When you have to listen to a voice talk through the different options, whereas you see something on screen, you can skim it and you can just click the button to get you down the workflow you want. I can see text being faster,
0: but we'll see. And I think one thing that is also worth mentioning is that Trilio are extending their IoT solutions. And although the Internet of Things economy hasn't grown significantly over the last few years, people do see this as a growing market. And as that grows, Twilio's revenue from that business will grow as well. What does that mean? Like, how are they putting comms into IoT? The whole technology stack in regards to developing IoT devices, it's not just the communications, but all the other things around that, including security and infrastructure. Let's pick up on a couple of their
1: competitors. I mentioned WhatsApp and Facebook, but in Q3 last year, developers were using Twilio to access WhatsApps business API, and that's more than doubled. It's more of a partnership than a competition, I think.
0: And I think other competitors include people like Microsoft, Avaya, and Cisco, these large enterprise companies that provide a range of products. Their pure play competitors are companies like Vonage, Bandwidth, Plevo, Nexmo, and Cinch, but they're much smaller. For example, Bandwidth has a market cap of only $3.5 billion versus $66 billion for Twilio. I guess this can be good or bad. Twilio is the dominant player in this space, but you can interpret
1: this as Bandwidth having more room to grow. And let's pick up on another $3 billion competitor, a company called MessageBird, who are a pretty hot European startup. They've been in the news recently. They made two acquisitions of video calling companies. They were founded in 2011 and are expected to IPO later this year. They've got a really fast growing big customer base, 15,000 customers, including companies like Heineken, Domino's Pizza, Telegram, and they're also a partner of Uber.
0: Why would Heineken need to communicate with their customers to tell them to stop drinking? Probably the opposite, right? Here's your SMS, reminder to open a beer keep drinking I saw that article that you sent me. One of the interesting things was that MessageBird has less than 400 employees compared to Twilio's 4,500. And MessageBird said they're on track to achieve $1 million in revenue per employee. And for comparison, Twilio earns around $390,000 in revenue for each of their employees. It so quite a big difference. But let's
1: see if MessageBird actually achieved this goal. MessageBird are more focused on Europe and Asia today. And I guess Twilio are more US-centric. But they do look like a more efficient and more profitable version of Twilio, obviously with lots more room to grow as a smaller company. They're currently private, but I think once they IPO, they're definitely worth having a look at. Actually, speaking of competition,
0: you sent me a link to a video that Jeff Green did with CNBC back in October last year. In the interview, the about competition, and he was somewhat dismissive of the competition, specifically from Microsoft, stating that customers want quality and reliability and that Twilio provides the best communications
1: platform out there. Maybe he's been a bit complacent about competition. It did come across as complacent, I agree. It worried me a little bit. Oh, he's probably right today. And with their really aggressive focus on developers, if they can keep the heart of developers, well, that's gonna keep them embedded with all of their customers. But if you have got other startups like MessageBird and their like perhaps offering a similar service, but at a cheaper rate, well, Ultimately, the developer is going to lose to the CFO who's going to vote with the dollars. But
0: as we said, this market is a growing market.
1: Maybe there's room for several winners. Let's round out our discussion of Twilio with a look at their financials. Maybe to dive into a couple of numbers that I found really interesting. It's their Dubner history, their dollar-based net expansion rate. It's really high, well over 100%, quarter after quarter after quarter. Most recently, 137%. Well, just to remind us, Luke, what is Dubner? It's the amount of revenue that the company hangs on to from their existing customers. So anything over 100% means that your current customers are spending more with you. It's a really great way of measuring the power and the effectiveness of the service if the companies using you are giving you more and more of their wallet share. Twilio totally announced their Q4 2020 earnings in February this year. And
0: just to summarize, their Q4 revenue last year was $548 billion, which is an increase of 65% over the same period last year. And their full year revenue was around $1.76 billion an increase of 55% over the previous year. But that revenue of $548 million includes revenue from the segment acquisition and also political revenue. They helpfully split out their political revenue from Q4 last year and it counted for $23 million. They see political revenue as a one-off as the US elections only happen once every four
1: years. Twilio's next earnings call is on the 5th of May. So we're in earnings season now and many of the companies we're tracking are reporting earnings day after day. They forecasted 526 to five. $536 million in revenue for this quarter, which is up 45% year over year from the same quarter last year.
0: As mentioned before, one of our main concerns is valuation. The market cap of around $66 billion, which equates to a price to sales ratio of 31. A price ratio of 31 is historically very high as Twilio stock had not reached a PS above 20 until summer of last year. So if you're investing in Twilio now, you are investing at the height of its valuation. The other big red
1: flag around the financials you mentioned earlier, Albert, it's the shareholder dilution. It's really quite high with their total share count outstanding growing by 22% in the last year.
0: And one of the reasons for that is Twilio's heavy dependence on stock-based compensation. They accounted for about 22% of their revenues last year. Yeah, it's pretty frightening. That's a material
1: number. I believe they acquired segment mostly with shares. Okay, so maybe a bit more of a one-off impact, but still something to watch.
0: And as we said, Twilio is not currently profitable. In Q4 last year, they made a net loss of about $180 million, but it's worth noting that they have about
1: $3 billion in cash, which is enough for about four years if their margins stay the same. So I suppose financials, because of the valuation and the shareholder dilution, is probably the weak area, but everything else looks pretty solid for the company. Let's bring it together with a couple of key takeaways, Albert. Now Twilio is the world's leading cloud communication platform. They have some competitors, but they are the largest player. They forecast their market growing significantly as they aggressively expand their TAM. They have a scalable SaaS business, and they have a particularly strong focus on developers. They market to developers, and they provide all the tools that developers need to use their services. They've got a really broad range of products and they're continually releasing software offerings as some of these new products run at a higher margin, generating more value for the company.
0: And as we said, one of the main red flags is their extremely high valuation at the moment at 31 times sales. And the competitive
1: landscape is heating up specifically from new entrants like bandwidth and message bird.
0: But we have Twilio as part of our model portfolio and it was part of our model portfolio for last year as well. I have quite a high conviction in Twilio as a business. It may not have the super high growth that it's
1: experienced in the last five years, but in terms of stability, I think it's one of our more stable selections. Yeah, that's fair. I was concerned about competition coming into today's review. Actually, I'm more comfortable now. Having noted that they're actually partnering with WhatsApp as opposed to competing with them it takes a lot of the pressure away from the move from voice to text to chat for me. Yeah,
0: and they're building higher margin software-only businesses such as Twilio Flex and Twilio Conversations.
1: That would really add to their top line. And as say, it's good to have a bit more of a solid company in the model portfolio. In some ways, this perhaps is like the tech equivalent of Starbucks. Well, Starbucks are probably using them for their communications. It's time for your coffee infusion. In fact, saying that my cup of coffee has run out, so I might have to go and make myself another one. Should we wrap it up for today? Sure Luke, but before we go,
0: we would like to send our birthday wishes to some good friends of us, Renee and Queenie, and also my
1: girlfriend Chloe, who all have birthdays this week. You're local and you've got the opportunity to celebrate properly, but I'll be sending my love and wishes across the airwaves. What have you got planned for Chloe's birthday this week?
0: Actually, Chloe probably won't hear this message because she usually listens to the podcast late at night and is usually asleep by
1: halfway into the episode. But she's got the real Albert there to drone and put her to sleep. Why does she need the podcast? Actually, I think it's your mellifluous voice that puts her to sleep. (laughs) Well, sending birthday love to all three of the girls. Look forward to catching up as soon as the pandemic allows. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. If there's a future topic you'd like us to cover, you can message us on Twitter. I'm at Luke Telescope and I'm at Albert Telescope, or you can email us at feedback at telescopeinvesting.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find more content at our website, telescopeinvesting.com, where you can leave us a comment or a review. And if this is your first time tuning
0: in, perhaps consider subscribing to the website so that you're the first to hear about new articles and episodes as they drop. Thanks, Albert. Thanks, Luke.
1: This podcast is for general information and is not a recommendation to act. Please seek independent investment advice before entering into any financial transaction. Entering into a transaction that involves securities or derivatives puts your capital at risk. Luke and Albert are not regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority or the Hong Kong Monetary Authority. And the companies mentioned in this podcast may be held personally by us. We can't be held responsible or liable for any action taken by a listener. And as ever, past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. Thanks and happy investing.